We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. Golden and Mike Fachi will not be joining us today. He had other plans because if you guys didn't know, Kevin Durant rescinded his trade. Fachi just moved back to New York. This is a big day for all the New York fans. So Fachi, born and raised in New York, moved to Washington, D.C., you know, spent some time there next to the Wizards. And now he's back in Brooklyn, back in the New Jersey area. He cannot get away from this stuff. And so with the exciting news that Kevin Durant is staying put, he's no longer going to be traded at this moment. Fachi and the boys had to go out and celebrate this historic moment. So with that being said, the show must go on, ladies and gentlemen. We cannot keep the podcast from happening just because Fachi is too busy celebrating the Kevin Durant stay in, in Brooklyn. So with that being said, Alex Kennedy, basketballnews.com had a terrific article where he interviewed Chad Buchanan and Tyrese Halliburton. He's going to be joining me today in this podcast to talk about that, the Pacers, future Miles Turner, a lot of interesting things here from Alex. He's also a reporter as well. So he does a great job giving some back story, some insight on what's going on, what he heard, maybe some stuff that wasn't in the article. Uh, I always enjoy hearing things that didn't make the cut, the final edit. So some really good stuff there. But overall, before I bring him on, I just want to say thank you all so much for hanging in with us during the deadest period right now of basketball news. So not a lot going on right now. We're waiting for training camp. It's, you know, a little over a month away. But during this time, you know, we've been creating content for you guys, talking about the team as much as we can, having players on. And, you know, I just want to say thank you all so much for hanging in there and listening to the show. Hope you guys have enjoyed it. And if you have any ideas or topics that you would like us to talk about over the next month, send them over to us on Twitter at setting the pace three or message me or, or Fachi on, on social media. I know that my DMs are open at Alex Golden NBA. If you have any ideas, I've already gotten a few different messages with different podcast ideas. And I think it's really cool to hear from you guys, hear what you guys want to uh, want us to talk about, want us to cover. So we would love to hear your thoughts and maybe do a, a podcast or a segment or two on something that you would like us to talk about. So if you have some ideas, throw them at us because we are, uh, you know, open to anything at this point. But I just want to say this is a really fun conversation with Alex Kennedy. He knows his basketball in and out. So you guys are going to love this. But let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll be joined by Alex Kennedy from basketballnews.com. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, everybody joining us now here on Setting the Pace. I think he's a reoccurring guest. I don't think I was on the last time he came on, but he did do a one-on-one conversation with my co-host Mike Fachi before. But it's Alex Kennedy from BasketballNews.com did a great article talking about Tyrese Halliburton, had a great interview with Tyrese and Chad Buchanan. So, Alex, thanks so much for joining. How are you doing? Thanks for having me back. Yeah, last time it was fun, so I had to definitely jump back on. Appreciate you having me. Yeah, you'll definitely see the difference between me and my co-host. We, we for sure are not the same person, but uh, <laughs> I, I definitely want to just go into this conversation because I was just really, you know, we've talked with Halliburton on our podcast, and I think that he's just a great interview, and it's always interesting to hear what he has to say. And I felt like he opened up a little bit more with you in your conversation. So I'm curious, where would you like to start in terms of maybe something that really stood out to you from this article? Yeah, you know, I, I liked how, candid and kind of vulnerable he got when talking about uh the trade stuff and i I told him going in i was like look you've talked about the trade a lot i'm not you know here to just ask you a ton of questions about getting traded and all that so uh we talked about a bunch of other things but that was one thing we just touched on kind of it's been six months since this trade um i had known some of the details that went on back when the trade happened um and i included some of those in there just about you know how he found out uh just his girlfriend was trying to console him he's crying for like an hour and then finally what really really kind of brought him out of that funk was when the pacers called him and kind of made it clear like hey this wasn't just you know you were just some return like we we came and got you we want to build around you we value you and he realized you know the future that he could have here and what this could mean for him long term and then you know he said as i mentioned in the article i needed to hear that and like it kind of turned things around a little bit for him so i had kind of known about some of that backstory um and then we talked about that uh and then yeah he just basically talked about how recently he was writing down his list of regrets and resentments and different things like that in his life and reflecting and he said that the only resentment for his entire life that he could think of was the Sacramento Kings. And he thought, you know, that's pretty immature of me. I need to try to get get over this and kind of move on from that. Um, so now I think he's kind of shifted his viewpoint from, you know, being upset with the Kings to realizing like, hey, even though I didn't agree with that and I wanted to be there for the rest of my career, they put me in this position where now I'm the face of the franchise in Indiana. I'm a Midwest kid that can now, you know, be in a team in a city that I feel comfortable in. Um, and in a great situation. So I think now he's trying to focus more on the positives and just how it all kind of brought him to this point where he's at today. And, and he said in the article, as a kid, I would have killed to be in this position. Like he does not take this for granted whatsoever. He is thrilled with where he's at in life right now. So I think he's kind of spun it a little bit to kind of view the trade that way versus what was the case, you know, a while back or even a few months back where it was just, very angry. He said that he was very mad at everyone in the Kings organization, even people who had nothing to do with the trade. Um, so I think he's come a long way there. And I told him that's a very mature way to kind of view this. And he was like, yeah, you know, I've always kind of uh, been pretty mature for my age, just the my parents and my mentors, people around me kind of helped me. Um, he admitted that sometimes he's immature. And he did say that for the rest of his career, he loves that anytime he does anything good, people are going to say like, man, what were the Kings thinking? So he still has, he still has that chip on his shoulder and he wants to make them regret it and prove them wrong. Um, he's going to use it as motivation, but I think the way that he was kind of processing it and reflecting on everything was pretty interesting that he kind of opened up and shared that. And I think it's a pretty mature and healthy way of viewing things. Yeah. And I mean, I think honestly, one of the things I love about him, like you said, he's just so like, you know, he's just so real, like anybody at that, at that stage in their career, you know, a year and a half into the league, 
thinking you're going to be with this team for like the next at least like five to seven years based on how rookie scale contracts work and all that to get moved when he did and not expecting to be moved. It, it was just definitely something that I don't think a lot of people across the league even anticipated. And so I know in your article, you talked about how different players have come up to him throughout the entire year. Like, wow, I they can't believe this actually happened. So do you think there's any other team in the NBA other than Sacramento that would have traded away a guy like Halliburton for a good, you know, all-star type of player, but not a great player in DeMontis Sabonis? I think uh, depending on the circumstances, you could argue that, you know, it may have made sense for a team or two out there um, because I do think that Sabonis is a very, very good player. But I think it's just when you kind of consider where the Kings are as a franchise, this is a guy that two weeks before the trade was talking about how, you know, he wasn't going to let the Kings history tear, you know, bring him down and how he was going to be part of their turnaround and um, saying all the right things that we're getting the fan base really fired up. Like, Oh, this is the guy that's going to take us out of this period. Uh, talking about how he wanted to stay there the rest of his career. When obviously we know Sacramento hasn't really been a destination for free agents. Stars have left there. Um, so I think there are teams maybe that would have looked at uh, this trade and thought, okay, that's not too far off. Especially when you look at all the guards that Sacramento had the bigs that Indiana had and Chad Buchanan made that point in the article that, you know, basically they both had a surplus at a position and they helped the other one out. But I think just like when you look at Tyrese's potential and the ceiling of that Sacramento team, like when you consider all the actual circumstances, I think it's pretty hard to find other executives that would pull off that exact trade given all the same circumstances. You know, it's mm -hmm. Tyrese is just exactly what they really needed, I think. And to really to, I mean, we, you and I talked about it. He's like the nicest kid. He's super loyal. Um, he's what you want in like a franchise player on and off the court to kind of be around that kid for as long as they were and see that he could really see what he could do for their franchise and then still decide to pull that trade off for a team that, I mean, is probably going to be competing for the play-in, maybe the eighth seed. I, I think that's that's pretty hard for me to wrap my head around. And actually, I wrote an article right when the trade happened where I talked to a bunch of executives uh, around the NBA and they were all baffled. You know, they were like, what the F are the Kings thinking? You know, I'm not sure if I can cuss here, um, <laughs> but they were like calling, you, you rarely see a trade reaction. That's that one-sided, not just among fan and fans and media, but also I was texting with GMs, trainers, coaches, and they're all just like, what are they doing? So I think it was pretty baffling, um, you know, and, and then Tyrese, I mean, if he, if he continues to develop, like we think he's going to develop and take that next step, I think it's only going to look worse for them potentially. Yeah. And that's the thing, like, especially if Sabonis doesn't resign out there either, like they, that's going to be in the back of their mind as well, because, you know, he could be an unrestricted free agent where they would have had Halliburton, like we said, for like five to seven years. So it's just one of those things that was a, it was a rare move. I honestly was stunned when I first saw Woj tweet out the trade. Uh, I could not believe that they included Halliburton. I, I thought if Sabonis was going to go to Sacramento, it would probably be for Fox, even though, I didn't think the Pacers wanted that contract of De'Aaron Fox's moving forward. But, I mean, it's just interesting because now the Pacers are heading in a direction they haven't ever really headed in before, and that's kind of a rebuild. And I know Tyrese has been open about that. Like, this is going to be a young team. It's going to be your development. And, you know, at 21 years old, I mean, are the Pacers putting too much pressure on him, in your opinion, to be that franchise guy right now? Or, or do you think that, that he's the type of player and personality that can handle all that pressure that comes with that? Yeah, I think they're putting that on him because they know he can handle it. You know, again, he's very mature for his age. He, you know, is poised. He's not making the same mistakes that some 22-year-olds in the NBA are out there making. I think he, you know, has a really good head on his shoulders and is ready for this kind of moment. He's been he's been ready for this. And, uh, you know, I think for them, they just want to make sure they surround him with the right talent now. Um, you know, he's a, obviously a pass-first player, a great passer. In the article, he talks about trying to be more aggressive and kind of take over as that focal point. Um, and, and making sure he's looking for his own shot in addition to just passing. Um, and, and there's a funny story. Drew Hanlon, his trainer and his uh, agent, Dave Spawn, uh, will text him before every game the number 14 or, you know, a graphic with 14 in it and just kind of, you know, bother him before every game telling him he needs to take at least 14 shots because they look up the numbers and his stats and the team's performance are much better when he shoots 14 plus shots. And he was doing a pretty good job in Sacramento of getting there and, and shooting 14 uh, shots per game. You know, there was a stretch where he had a number of games in a row and his uh, his career high uh, against the, the Sixers was one of those games uh, where, you know, he went off 
for, uh, I believe it was 32 points, uh, or 38 points. I forget the exact number, but, um, you know, he, he went off for, oh yeah, 38 points shot almost 60% from the field, 60% from deep. So, um, he was doing a good job. Then once he got traded, I think he was kind of trying not to step on people's toes, trying to be respectful of the players that were already there, the veterans. Um, and he kind of was less assertive, but yeah, I think they know, like, this is a chance for him to take a step forward. This is a big season for him to kind of um, really become that focal point and, and shoot the ball more in addition to still getting uh, his teammates involved. And, and one thing that Chad told me was that it's easier to build around a player like Tyrese, who is a pass first player and fits with so many different kinds of players. Like, and he's going to attract other players too, they think, because a lot of guys want to play with a pass first player like that. So I think they're really confident in, in choosing to build around him. Um, you don't say things like, we think there's going to be a mural downtown of him next to Reggie, uh, Reggie Miller's mural. If you don't believe that uh, he could be your guy going forward. So I think they're very confident in him and his abilities and how he can handle all this. That, I mean, that was what I was going to go to right, right away after you got done talking, there was just the, the comparison to like they view or Chad Buchanan. So they view him as the next Reggie Miller. And I mean, that to me was something I know you guys used to kind of promote the article. And it's definitely something Pacer fans are like, we need that guy because Ever since Reggie left, they've been looking for it. Jermaine O'Neal was it for a couple of years. Injuries kind of derailed his longevity in the NBA. He got traded, became a journeyman, then Paul George, and then his fallout with Indiana, then Victor Oladipo and his fallout. And then during that time, once Vic left, it was Sabonis' team, but the team kind of felt like they were heading in no direction. So even as talented as all those guys were, they didn't stick around long-term. And think Reggie was a part of multiple, you know, generations of fans because 18 years is a long time to be with the franchise. So I know Tyrese, one of the things he talked about was having trust issues after the Kings traded him that way. So I don't know if he's lightened up on that stance at all or not, but I'm curious if you've talked to him about that and where he stands in terms of trusting the Pacers and like how much he wants to be here long-term or if it's still kind of like, uh, you know, we'll see how things go when kind of playing about year. Yeah, first off, with the Reggie Miller quote, it was funny because a lot of the places that kind of picked that up, like I saw Bleach Report and a few others tweeted it out. And initially, a lot of fans were like, he's nothing like Reggie Miller. <laughs> now, obviously, he's not comparing their skill set. He's right. saying, the, and, and, you know, you broke it down really well as far as like importance to the franchise and, you know, the face of the franchise, get his own mural one day. Like, that's what they're talking about when they talk about the Reggie Miller comparison. And uh, I think that shows kind of the belief that they have in him, that they think he could basically go down as you know, one of the best pacers in the franchise's history. And yeah, I asked uh, Tyrese, you know, obviously it's been six months, but, you know, could you see yourself? I told him, you know, you were very committed to staying in Sacramento your whole career. It's something you talked about a lot. Obviously, you know, then you get traded. So you mentioned the trust issues and stuff that that, you know, brings up. But he said he can definitely see himself staying in Indiana for the rest of his career. He said he definitely, I asked him that point Blake, and he said, for sure. He said, I just bought a home here. So I really hope it's long term. Like I'm kind of putting my trust in them by buying a house <laughs> and committing here. Um, so he definitely wants to be there. And he pointed out one of the biggest reasons why is those Midwest roots. He said that, you know, he's super Midwest. That's how he described it. He said his girlfriend is, is as well. They met at Iowa State. So he, he made it clear that they're both much more comfortable in a city like Indiana, where they're going out to high school basketball games and, uh, you know, relating to their neighbors and feeling part of the community than they were, you know, in Sacramento. So I think, you know, he definitely missed that Midwest feel. And I think that the combination of, you know, him feeling comfortable off the court, the fact that they're so committed to him on the court and willing to build around him and, you know, put him, you know, in the, such high regard, basically, um, and just kind of all the different factors. And he also said that he's had a great experience with the Pacers front office and, and franchise. And I've heard this from a lot of people. I think the last time I came on this podcast, actually, was after I wrote an article for Hoops Hype, where I went and spent a week with Kevin Pritchard, Chad Buchanan, uh, and just you know, the Pacers culture basically and, and broke down just kind of how they do things uh, from top to bottom. And the way they run their franchise is very unique. It's very player friendly. Um, you know, they, they go out of their way to make sure players and their family members feel included and welcome. I know that's been a big thing that a lot of players over the years have told me about Indiana that, you know, their relatives loved it and didn't get that same treatment uh, in a, with other uh, organizations. You know, the Pacers have a staff of people who are just committed to making the relatives of players feel comfortable and making sure they have whatever they need, tickets, all that kind of stuff. Um, and then Tyrese mentioned it. Actually, I think this may have gotten cut from the end article. Um, but he said that the players have a lot of say in different decisions. You know, they get to decide 
or weigh in on at least where, which hotels they stay at, what meals are being had, you know, different things like that. They have a lot of say. And he basically said it's a player friendly organization. And he compared it to the, or to the uh, Golden State Warriors and said, you know, they treat their players right. And that's what make guy, makes guys want to be here. It's what makes guys want to stay here and come here. So um, he had high praise for the Pacers and how they do things. One thing that I think also makes Tyrese feel comfortable and maybe helps with some of those trust issues that you bring up. The Pacers have a, a thing where they have an agreement with all of their players that if the players being mentioned in serious trade talks, they'll inform the player if they want, if they want to know, you know, it was after the Isaiah Thomas trade years ago, whenever Boston traded him and players around the NBA were furious and basically saying, this is why we don't trust NBA executives. The Pacers basically heard that, uh, that criticism went and talked to some of the veterans on the team at the time uh, and, and said, look, would you guys want to know if we're in, in advanced talks to trade you or would you want to just find out when a deal is done? And they basically went to each guy and each guy was able to either opt in or out of that program. And, uh, and I've asked Chad about it and he said it's worked well over the years. Like they've never had a player uh, find out that a trade almost happened. Even if, even in like in the two or three times that deals fell through, the guy was super, super professional afterwards and just appreciative of the fact that, you know, he was informed. So I think that's something that Tyrese appreciates too, just that transparency, the honesty, you know, if something were to happen down the road and, and they're shopping him or having serious talks again, I think he feels confident that, you know, he'd be one of the per first people to know him or his camp. So yeah, I think he he feels very comfortable in Indiana. I think on and off the court and just with the franchise as a whole, he's very, very happy with uh, his surroundings. That's great to hear because, I mean, I know the Pacers have been kind of ridiculed for, like we talked about earlier, some of the guys that have left. And I know Paul George has, you know, spoken out about how unhappy he was with the way things were going. And Victor Oladipo has made some cryptic comments on social media as well. Uh, he even threw Sabonis in there as somebody that uh, was not happy with the way things went. And we really haven't heard anything from Sabonis in terms of like his time here, anything that he said has basically been, you know, uh, I, I just wanted to be somewhere that somebody wanted me. And that was about the extent of it. So it really wasn't like any like hatred toward the Pacers, but one of the, um, one of the comments that was in the article that I thought was really interesting was when Tyrese was talking about being a part of building this thing from the ground up. And it kind of gave me some similar vibes to, how Joel Embiid views the process with Philadelphia. And I know the Pacers are kind of going through their own version of the process, even though almost every general manager president hates those two words. <laughs> um, they are rebuilding though. And I feel like Halliburton is kind of connected now to Indiana, at knowing he's the face of the franchise. I mean, when your general manager Buchanan comes out and says that, I think it makes you feel a little bit more comfortable knowing where you stand with this organization. And I think, Basically, how Embiid embraced the, you know, the process. I think Halliburton's embracing this rebuild, and I'm just curious: do you kind of get similar vibes in terms of like Halliburton meaning to the Pacers what Embiid means uh, and Embiid meant during that time to the 76ers? Yeah, I see what you're saying. It's funny because uh, whenever we were having the conversation, I had asked him, you know, what has it been like, kind of becoming a face of the franchise or a franchise player. And he started laughing and was like, it just feels so weird even hearing you say those words. Like, you know, he, it really hasn't sunk in yet. I think that he's at that point in his career where he is the franchise player now for an organization because it is so new. It's been, you know, only a few months. So um, he's a very humble guy and very down to earth. So I think that's where that comes from too. Just, and, and he said, look, he's ready for it. And he would kill to be in this position as a kid. So he's worked his whole life to get here. But I think it's still kind of sinking in that, He's a franchise player of an NBA team uh, at 22 years old. Uh, so, but I, I, I agree. I mean, I love those comments that he made about looking to build this thing from the ground up. I think that's exactly what you want in a franchise player in the position that Indiana's in, you know, rather than someone who is saying, oh, this, you know, this is going to suck. Well, one has one foot out the door is, you know, already frustrated because they know it's going to be several years of rebuilding. I think you, this is why you kind of build around someone at his age who's ready to take that next step and, and, is excited about the challenge. And that was one thing too that I wanted to mention. Chad Buchanan repeatedly throughout our conversation just talked about Halliburton's positivity and the energy that he brings to a franchise. And he even went so far as to say, even if Tyrese wasn't an NBA caliber player, he's the kind of guy that we'd hire as an executive, an assistant coach, a trainer, just to have him in the organization because that energy is so important. And he said that so, much, so many times around the NBA, you have guys who are all about themselves, me guys, Tyrese is super positive, super energetic, and all about we, all about the team. So 
Yeah, I mean, I think when you're kind of looking for a player who's going to be the face of your franchise during a period like the one Indiana is about to go through. And I think it's the absolute right decision, by the way. I think it's, you know, in today's NBA, it doesn't make much sense to just kind of sit in the middle. Um, And I know that's kind of where Indiana has been for a long time and hasn't had high draft picks. And it's very hard to kind of make that next step and become a contender when that's the way you're doing things. Now it's, it's possible, obviously, you know, we've seen, the Pacers have had some, had some really good teams uh, over the years, but I think this is the right direction for them. And I think Tyrese is the perfect person for that just because he is so positive. You know, he does have the right mindset. And he's saying, look, we want to be where Memphis Grizzlies are in a few years, where, you know, they were a young team that you you kind of put together this core. You know, I think he could be their John Morant if you want to make that comparison. I think that makes a lot of sense. And he kind of pointed out the Memphis thing unprompted and said, you know, we want to build this young core, take the next step, grow together, develop that chemistry, and then compete for championships. Um, And I mean, obviously Memphis is is a small market too, where um, they had some veterans and they had to make that decision. You know, do we blow it up? They were kind of in the same period. So I think Memphis and Ja is a really interesting comparison when you look at just kind of, uh, the path that's ahead for Indiana and the importance that, you know, Ja and Tyrese have to their respective franchises. Yeah. And I think we should just clarify before we get any further that you're not saying they're the same player, but in terms of importance to their franchise, correct? hundred percent. Yeah. They're yes. not the same player, but you know, <laughs> John Morant's kind of similar where when you build your franchise around a guy, he's someone that's going to create so much excitement, bring the right energy to the gym every day, be super positive, make everyone around him better. Like that's the kind of guy. And he was so young too. He was 21 whenever they were building around him. So, you know, he's trying to take that step in his career where he emerges as a superstar and kind of uh, put himself and Memphis back on like the national stage and, you know, and make them relevant. You know, I think uh, it's similar where you have a young point guard who's in a small market team that's going to be rebuilding for a few years and collecting young assets. You know, if they can get to where Memphis is at uh, a few years from now, then this will have been a huge success. Absolutely. And I, I mean, I'm very interested to know a little bit more about this, you know, process of going through, you know, drafting Benedict Matherin, because I know that we've heard, you know, Matherin talk to the media. We've heard the, the Pacers front office and Rick Carlisle talk to the to the media about it. But, you know, I'm curious, how much of a say did Halliburton have on, you know, uh, what he liked about Matherin? I mean, did he have much of a say with the with the coaching staff and, and the front office in terms of what he liked about some of these prospects? Yeah, he definitely did. Um, and I thought that was interesting, too. Um, whenever I asked about Ben, they uh, the first thing that Chad Buchanan said was Tyrese was a very big fan of Ben at Arizona and during the draft process. And I think he likes their fit together. And he went on to say that when Tyrese was talking about Ben's game, he sees all the areas that he can help Ben play well and that they would work well together. And he basically said, I can help magnify and amplify what Ben can do and really help him succeed. So Tyrese was definitely involved. Um, The first thing that, you know, Chad Buchanan mentions when talking about drafting Ben was just uh, how big of a fan Tyrese was and how he pushed for him during the draft process. And he talked about that with a few players. He said that, you know, Tyrese is very high on Isaiah Jackson. He said that he he mentioned a few different players that Tyrese seems very high on and, um, you know, is excited to play with. And one of those players too, uh, he he said with a lot of the young core, he kind of looks at the players and looks at how he can help them take the next step. Um, I'm not sure if that made the article, but he was talking about just, you know, when he looks at the young core, he's looking at each guy and what he can do to make that guy better. Um, and one of the guys that I know Tyrese has been excited to play with, and I know the other guys excited to play with Tyrese is Miles Turner. And uh, he came up, Chad Buchanan brought him up unprompted and said, he's really excited to see Tyrese and, and Miles together. Um, and I know for a fact, whenever the trade happened with Sacramento, Miles was very excited and, and really was talking about, you know, was speaking highly of Tyrese and was excited to play with him. So I know there's been a lot of trade rumors around Miles Turner, uh, but Chad said that they're excited to see them together. And I know uh, both sides have been excited about that partnership. So, yeah, I mean, I think Tyrese is definitely involved. It seems like they're not only listening to him, you know, in the draft, but his input on other players in the franchise definitely seems to, um, you know, matter. I I don't know how much of an input he has, but uh, he's definitely weighing in and, and Chad made that clear. Yeah, that's that's going to be an interesting pairing because we know this is a big year for Miles going into his final year of his contract, you know, not getting that extension yet. The Pacers clearly have the money to, you know, extend him now. I don't think it'd be a big deal if they didn't. I mean, they could still do it. But I, I just wonder because obviously I'm not sure if Chad talked with you about this or not, but 
their pursuit of DeAndre Ayton. I think that that was something that did put a bit of a wrinkle in things in terms of how Pacer fans maybe view the future of Miles Turner here in Indiana. But how I don't know if Chad talked to you about that at all, or maybe just maybe some of your insight. Uh, how did that potentially maybe impact the future of their relationship? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, I did not talk to Chad about that um, on the record. There wasn't anything in the piece about that. Um, but I think they just viewed that as a, a great opportunity to land a, an asset. Um, I, I think uh, I'm not sure if they were confident they'd be able to get DeAndre. Um, I, I think they just saw it as kind of a win-win uh, situation. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's interesting. I, I think they really value Miles, and that's why he hasn't been traded. You know, they could have traded him multiple deadlines or offseason in a row now, but um, they're not just giving him away. They understand his value. And one thing that Chad said in the article is that this is an opportunity for Miles to play with somebody who's constantly looking to set other guys up. And he thinks that they're going to have a good connection and this is going to be really good for Miles Turner. So I think uh, they want to see this duo together. Um, Now, if the right offer presented itself, I'm sure they would definitely consider it. I mean, they've been doing that for several years now. Um, so I, I don't know if he's going to be there, but the fact that Chad brought him up uh, and I know both sides are excited about playing together. I wouldn't be surprised if he at least starts the season in Indiana, you know, who knows what happens to the trade deadline again, it's miles Turner. I don't think there's any player in the NBA that's had more rumors circul- <laughs> you know, circulate about them. Um, right. And I know he's kind of gotten used to it at this point. Um, so who knows whether or not uh, he'll be there beyond this season, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we see them play together at least a bit. Yeah, I mean, I, I think right now it feels like the most likely situation is going to be him dealt by the trade deadline. Uh, it's just what it feels the most normal at this point. I, I just kind of wonder, though, from Miles' perspective, would you really want to be a part of a rebuilding team? You're going to be 27 next year. You're going into the prime of your career. Is this really where you want to be after that? I'm not saying he doesn't, but you do have to kind of wonder if that's in the back of his mind, especially like you said. Being in all these trade rumors, even though they probably felt like they couldn't get eight and they still went after him. So to me, I just feel like there's some writing on the wall. We're, we're going to have to see. I think it's the most interesting storyline of the entire season uh, for the Pacers, besides their young guys developing uh, and in terms of what Miles future is. But I'm also curious to, uh, to hear your thoughts, though, because one of the things about Miles Turner is we know that he has been kind of utilized as an outside threat. He's not really been an inside threat. And if you look at his numbers, like he's taken fewer and fewer shots at the rim year by yeah. year, it just keeps getting less and less. So I'm, I'm kind of curious, like, do you think Miles can be more of a pick and roll partner for Ty- Tyrese Halliburton? Or do you think he's still going to kind of revert back or, or stay in that pick and pop situation? Because we know he's good at that, but I think that, if he became more of a roller, it could open up his game more. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think I interviewed him, I believe it was last season. Uh, yeah, it was the beginning of last season. And he had said that a lot of the you know changes in his role have been just him doing what the coaches ask of him and you know trying to adjust. It's part of his skill set. He can do it. But um, I agree with you. I think uh, they can really get creative in how they use him. I think, um, you know, Tyrese and him could be very interesting as a pairing there, you know, in the pick and roll. And I think um, if you have a player like Tyrese, you can really do a whole lot in terms of setting miles up. And that's one of the things that Chad Buchanan kind of mentioned. So, yeah, I mean, uh, even if it's just to showcase miles uh, for the first half of the the season, it makes a lot of sense to bring him back if you're not happy with the offers that are out there. Um, Now, look, I mean, Miles might want to stay around. You know, every player is different. I'm mm-hmm. in Orlando, and uh, whenever um, the Orlando Magic drafted Mo Bamba and they were going young, and it was clear they weren't going to be in the playoffs anymore, that a rebuild was coming, everyone thought, oh, Nick Vucevic is gone. You know, he's not going to stick around. And then, you know, you actually talk to Nick, and he's like, no, you know, my wife's here. We just had a baby. We're so comfortable. We love the community here. Like, uh, we're settled down. We really are, are fine with the rebuild. So, and he was older than Miles is now. So I think, you know, People think, oh, every player is the same and they're going to want to get to a contender. They're in their prime. And look, Miles might. I'm not saying he doesn't. Um, I know he's been happy in Indiana over the years. There have been a few Mm -hmm. times that, you know, different comments have been made about how he's used and and things like that. But, um, you know, I've never heard anything negative from Miles by Indiana. In fact, it's the exact opposite. And who knows? Maybe he would be down to stick around. I mean, he's only 26. He's not as old as some of these other guys that you know, start looking for a path to a ring or, you know, in his thirties or anything like that. So I'm not sure. I mean, 
we'll see. They honestly, the Patriots might think if we keep Miles, we're going to win too many games. <laughs> that might be yeah. a consideration as well. If they're trying to go after, you know, some of these top prospects in the next few drafts, having someone like Miles might make that a bit difficult if they are really trying to trust the process here. <laughs> so um, <laughs> there's a lot to consider. And uh, I'm sure if he plays well at the beginning of the season and, you know, forms a nice one two punch with Tyrese, that's only going to help his trade value. Yeah, and I and I completely agree. I, I think that this is a, a great opportunity for him to get his trade value up. I think the Pacers kind of know that too, because right now it seems pretty low. Everybody knows the Pacers are tanking. The Kevin Durant situation was kind of making things uh, in flux there. Not not sure what's going to happen. And then of course, him coming off that season-ending injury, uh, there's you know people say he could have came back. He was healthy, but who really knows? He's had some foot injuries throughout his career, so I think that's also in the back of everyone's minds as well. Like he's got to prove he can stay healthy, but I, I definitely think this is the year now for him to prove that he can be a double, double guy because uh, Sabonis is not there in the paint anymore, kind of clogging things up. He's going to be asked to do different things than he was previously. And I think that there's a good opportunity for him there to do it, but um, there's also a lot of other centers on this team as well. So like you said, with trying to maybe move him, it could make sense. You know, you've got, uh, Isaiah Jackson, who can play the five some. We know Jalen Smith can play this five some, even though he's going to be the starting four. And then Goga Batadze, he's in his fourth year in his, uh, and he's an expiring contract. They have Terry Taylor as well, and then they also acquired Daniel Tice, which I don't think he's really in their future at all. But I'm, I'm just saying, you know, there's some young talent behind Miles that won't be getting a lot of playing time if he's there as well. So I'm, I'm just curious, but uh, it's going to be fun to see. So is there anything like off the record though, that or not off the record, but maybe got left out of your article? that you just weren't able to put in there that was interesting that stood out to you from either Chad or Tyrese? Yeah, there were a few things, um, you know, just some, I basically talked to Tyrese about like his whole career up to this point, you know, going from three-star recruit to, uh, you know, Iowa State, then slipping in the draft. Um, then he went through that whole really weird pre-draft process uh, where it was like six, seven months. <laughs> he was out at Impact Basketball in Las Vegas training, doing Zoom interviews. It was during the pandemic, obviously. So uh, it was like the first pre-draft process of that pandemic. So everything was weird. It was all stretched out. Um, so I know Joe Abunasar from Impact Basketball has said that players who went through that first year kind of had like a really weird rookie season. So when he looks at some players like a Josh Green or guys that he's worked with part, that were part of that draft class, you know, he says basically they've played one real season. You can, you can kind of say one and a half seasons, but that first year was just so strange that it wasn't like a full season. So I asked Tyrese, you know, is that how you feel that you really only had one full season and your rookie year was kind of strange? And he basically said, you know, there were lessons that he took away from his rookie year, but there's no question it was it was very different. He also had some injuries that year. So um, I think he kind of looks at it as, you know, he's a player with one and a half years of experience. Uh, he understands how important this year is for him in terms of what he can do. He said his goal is to be a 20 and 10 player and become an all-star. And he thinks those are really obtainable. Uh, Drew Hanlon said the same thing when I talked to him about what his goals were for Tyrese. Uh, so they've definitely talked about that and planned that out. Um, so that's kind of what Tyrese is, uh, looking to do. Um, I asked him about a few like off court things. Um, you know, he's obviously, uh, a correspondent on the old man, the three with JJ Reddick. And, uh, I asked him if he wants to have his own podcast someday. He said that that's the biggest question he gets asked whenever he runs into fans and stuff. Everyone asks him like, when are you starting a podcast? And he said he has no interest. Uh, he's like, I like, you know, streaming on Twitch. And if you want to hear me talk basketball, you can hear me on Old Man of Three or on Twitch. But he said he doesn't really have interest in uh, podcasting, but he does potentially want to get into broadcasting or, you know, some kind of media stuff someday down the road, like when he's older. Um, but no, I mean, the big thing too is I just want to say he's the nicest guy. Like, oh, yeah. Of any athlete I've interviewed, uh, he's just such a friendly guy. At the end, he was, you know, going back and was like, oh, I have a better answer for this question. Can I actually give that again? Like, you know, he, he, <laughs> he's just like, uh, yeah, he's, he's like the sweetest guy. And uh, he, he thinks about every answer and he's so um, candid and, and just gives you gold. That's why doing this article was so hard to cut out quotes because so many of them were good. And afterwards, I talked to his agent, Dave Spahn, and Dave's like, yeah, I've, you know, I've been on interviews with him before on the phone where he's talking to like a high school newspaper in Wisconsin. And he's like the exact same way where he's like super open and thinking about all his answers. That's just like who he is. Um, so, yeah, I'm a, I'm a big Tyrese fan. It's really hard, you know, to uh, to root against him. I think he he's very, very likable. Um, and uh, try to think what else. I know Chad Buchanan 
said that, uh, you know, they're staying open as far as uh, what kind of moves are out there. Um, you know, they're going to keep listening. And, and if there's a chance to be involved in a, a three-team deal, um, there will be a third team in a trade. I know they'll be listening to that. Um, you know, they're basically just keeping their options open right now. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's a lot that made it in the article. I, I apologize to anyone who had to, you know, read the entire thing. It's a, definitely a, a novel, but uh, it was a fun one to write. Yeah, I was telling Alex off air that I uh, actually read the whole thing. And then later today, I actually copy and pasted it all into like a application that ends up uh, reading the article for you. So it was kind of nice to hear the audio version with uh, reading it as well, just in case you miss something. But no, I think those are all really interesting things. And I echo what you said about Halliburton. I mean, when we had him on here, it was just fantastic. Uh, internet was lagging a little bit every once in a while. So he was like, just cut me off if it does it. And we'll just redo the question and answer. So, I mean, he was just willing to work with us. We were told like 10 to 15 minutes for our interview. And he said, nah, I got as long as you want. I think it ended up being like 40 minutes. So, that's awesome. you know, that that's just the kind of guy that he is. And uh, it's really cool to have someone like that for the Pacers. And you talked about, you know, going into broadcasting, man, he definitely is following the footsteps of Reggie Miller if he does that. But, oh, there you uh, go. <laughs> you know, I, I would I would love to see him involved in the franchise after though he does retire because that's one thing that i think fans are a little bit like they're not mad at reggie for it or anything but like uh he'll post stuff all the time like on instagram but like he hardly ever visits gamebridge unless he has a uh, the field house unless he has a, a game that he's calling there so i definitely think that the fans would embrace halliburton you know being more involved after he retires if he does retire a pacer so that that's maybe something to keep an eye on as well but i, I definitely think fans are incredibly excited about him and i'm i'm curious your thoughts real quick uh i've talked to some people and i've had this conversation i think it's too hard to project now but do you think tyrese halliburton can be like a superstar level player like that go-to guy or do you think he's more of a a great complimentary piece that you know uh can be really really good but just probably isn't like on that kevin durant lebron Giannis level as of right now, I would say he's probably more of a complimentary guy. I think this season is going to be really telling. Um, one of the things that that he had mentioned, uh, he had said it like twice or three times throughout the interview that he needs to get more arrogant and basically like be more of an asshole. And I was like, what do you mean by that? Like, you're like the nicest guy. Like, what does arrogant Tyrese Halliburton look like? And he was like, well, I've, you know, study these great players like a Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan. And he talked about just like the mentality they have of, you know, taking, shooting a shot, even if you have a teammate open or um, basically like being willing to take a game over and like be that number one alpha type. He's like, there's some arrogance in that. Um, and he's, he talked about growing up watching LeBron James, Magic Johnson, um, and, and just always wanting to be that pass first facilitator, make the right play. Now it's the point where I think the Pacers want to see what, what they have in him. You know, they want to see if he's, that number one guy who can be the leading scorer and take over games, or if he is going to just be a really good complimentary piece who could still be an all-star, you know, he could be an all-star throughout his career, but, you know, basically do you need to put scores around him and, and what kind of guy is he? That's what I think this year and next year are going to be really good to kind of see if he can make that step forward and be a 20 and 10 guy and an all-star and take over games and be clutch. I think we're having a different conversation. Um, but again, you know, he said the hardest thing for him is just that mental shift, you know, changing his mentality to putting up more than, you know, there's so many games you look through his game log where it's like six for nine or five for eight. <laughs> like he just does not shoot the ball a ton. Yeah. And that's why they're always getting on him. Like, hey, 14 shots a game. You need to have 14 shots. And they're bugging him about it nonstop. Uh, and even Chad Buchanan was like, He's going to be more assertive. I think you'll see a player that's willing to take over games more next year. He'll shoot the ball more. You know, he was being really respectful to veterans and trying to step on toes, but you're going to see a player that's more aggressive next year. So, I mean, everyone from his agent to his trainer to his GM are telling him, shoot the ball, be more aggressive. And I think he's trying to, in his words, become more quote unquote arrogant and realize that, you know, a bad shot isn't necessarily a bad shot if it's the star player taking it. And it's that time of the game. Um, or if your coach is saying, hey, take over. Um, so, yeah, I'm curious to see how you can make that adjustment. I think, I mean, that's kind of what comes with being a really nice pass first guy. Like, can you kind of have that? Can you flip that switch and kind of have that Kobe mode you go into? Um, and I, I joked with, uh, with Chad and I said, you'd much rather have a guy that 
needs to be nudged to shoot a little bit more than a guy with a rational confidence that's shooting 25 times and missing a ton of them <laughs> and being inefficient. And he's like, oh, 100 percent. You know, you, you can work with a guy that's, you know, too worried about not facilitating and his efficiency and all that. Like it, it's a much, much easier to get that guy to shoot and get him to realize his full potential than the chucker who doesn't care about the team and is me first and all that. So yeah. I'm excited to see what we see from him this season. If he takes a step forward and we're talking about a guy that's averaging 20 and 10 and taking over games. And he looks like that Tyrese that we saw in Philly dropping 38 points on, you know, 55% from the field and 55% from three. That's a different conversation. Um, but we'll see. I mean, does he have, I, I think last year there were 26 games when he had 14 or more shots, you know, does he double that this season? Mm. Uh, I think that's the goal. If you talk to him and his camp and even the Pacers. Um, so I think we're going to get a good, glimpse of whether or not Tyrese is that guy this year and the Pacers need to figure that out too I mean they they want to know so they know how to build this team going forward yeah that's a great point and I think you know one player on this team that they just drafted Benedict Mather and he's going to be one of those guys that's got some confidence in himself so maybe some of that rubs off on Halliburton as the year goes along I, I love when we see guys be a little bit arrogant like I love the 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 quote that went out there from Mather and talking about uh, LeBron's going to have to prove to me that he's the best player in the world when he plays <laughs> me. I mean, look, we all know that that's crazy. Like, come on now, it's LeBron James. But at the same time, you want your athletes, you want your guys on your team to have that kind of confidence and kind of have that swag and arrogance. Because if you don't think you're the best, then that means that there's, you know, room for failure. I don't want to see that. You know what I'm saying? And so uh, I, I want to see these guys become more aggressive and more arrogant and more confident in who they are as players. But Alex, this was a lot of fun, man. I I'm going to do some trivia with you here for a quick uh, second. Today is your birthday, so happy birthday, the big 3-1. Thank um, you. Very appreciative of you taking time out of your birthday to come on here and talk Halliburton, but uh, I could see how excited you were talking about him, so I don't think you minded. But <laughs> two players currently, uh, not currently, formerly on the Pacers, share a birthday with you. Do you know who those two players are? Oh, man. I know that... Kobe Bryant and Jeremy Lin have my birthday. Okay. But I don't think either of those are the answer. <laughs> um, no, let me think. Marshawn Brooks, does he have a birthday? That's I don't think he was ever on the Pacers. He was on the Pacers, but I'm just trying to think of any NBA player that also has my birthday. Hmm. Hmm. I didn't realize that there's more guys. I knew Kobe, Jeremy Lin. That's interesting. Um, give me like a time frame. When were they on the Pacers? Uh, well, two of them were the, the first one I'll give you. He was during the 90s era with Reggie Miller. Mm. No, I don't know this. Okay. The Duncan Dutchman, Rick, Rick Smith. Oh, wow. We actually just uh, interviewed him the other day at Basketball News. Our uh, One of our writers, Matt Issa, interviewed him. He had a great article about Reggie Miller. And it's a series called Blazing the Trail where he looks back on guys that were ahead of their time and uh, – basically breaks down their game and looks at their film and gets quotes from a bunch of their coaches and teammates. And he talked to Rick and had great stuff about just how Reggie was ahead of his time, you know, his gravity, basically how he'd fit in today's NBA, the guys he influenced. So definitely go check out that Reggie Miller article. If you haven't, okay. it's called blazing the trail. Yes. I'm supposed to be reading that. I have not read that yet. And I, and I, told, love it. I told him I would definitely get to it. I said, I want to have time when I can actually read it and not just like skim through it. Um, and the other, the other pacer, I'll, this is, should be a good hint. In 2017, 2018, the year they made uh, the playoffs with Victor in his first year after trading Paul George, he shot 46% from three, and he actually led the NBA in three-point percentage. Oh, how do I not know this guy? That Man, um, same he, birthday as me. Yeah, he's is a point guard. Darren Collison? Darren Collison. Really? I didn't know yeah. he had the same birthday as me. Oh, yes, wow. Sir. That's yeah, cool. I'll, I'll run through. I have the list up here off of B-Ball Reference. So we've got uh, Joe Weisskamp has the same birthday as you, PJ Washington, Devin Vassell, uh, Yusuf Nurkic, and then we're oh. going to get into some weird names here a little bit. Guy Morgan, Mal McCollin, uh, Sean Marks. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, uh, this is a name I've never heard. Goo Kennedy. Uh, so <laughs> Wow, uh, same birthday, last same last name. Wow. I know. Uh, That's Pat my brother, Gary. by the way. What'd you say? That's my brother. No, I'm just playing. Oh. <laughs> uh, Pat Garrity has the same birthday as you. Uh, okay. Orlando Magic Orlando guys. Orlando legend. Yes. Uh, Seth Curry has today's birthday. Oh, wow. And uh, 
Ryan Brokoff, uh, Alan Bristow, and Tom Borwinkle. So, yeah, well, I was got- wrong on Marshawn Brooks, by the way. I just looked it up, and that is not accurate. But Jeremy Lin, it is his birthday as well. Yes. He just turned 34. So, Jeremy and Kobe. So, see, I will say this, though. It was so like I had Kobe Bryant on my podcast like six or seven years ago when I was at uh, Hoops Hype and USA Today. And he was awesome, gave me like 35 minutes. We talked and, uh, I told him like right after we finished recording how, you know, I I was a huge Kobe fan growing up. It was always so cool to have the same, you know, birthday as him. I've always said, so my wife's birthday is she shares a birthday with Shaq. So like, we've always joked that it's like Shaq and Kobe and that's either a great thing or like a really bad thing uh, for our relationship. Um, (laughs) Fortunately, it's been a great thing. Um, But yeah, like it was always so cool as a kid to have the same birthday as Kobe. Now it's just like so sad. Like every year, you know, right when, uh, right when it turns midnight, you see just tons of, you know, really like heartwarming messages about Kobe and stuff like that. So it's just such a bummer, man. Like it's, yeah. it's so sad, but, um, I was I a mean, huge Kobe fan still am like, I, I feel so lucky that I was able to talk to him on my podcast and have like a really cool conversation with him and interact with him several times over the years. But yeah, that one was always really cool for me as a kid. And it's still cool. I mean, uh, for sure. That, I know Jeremy Lynn talks about that too and loving that. Yeah. I mean, definitely gone too soon. And one thing I loved about Kobe is how much he was just an ambassador of these young players. Um, you know, a lot of times you see former athletes talk about how their era was better and that kind yep. of thing, but Kobe embraced this era and he just, you know, appreciated greatness, which is, Super cool. So, you know, rest in peace, Kobe, as well. I mean, obviously, it's always tough to talk about when yeah. players have come and gone too soon. But uh, with that being said, uh, you know, we uh, we live in those memories because Kobe left us with so many. But, Alex, thank you so much for coming on. And once again, happy birthday to you, man, the big 3-1. And I uh, hope it's a great one. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Sorry for talking your off. Sorry oh, for writing 6,000 words that you had to read. <laughs> uh, you know, I appreciate you uh, taking time to chat with me. Yeah, absolutely. And real quick, tell the people where they can find you at on social media. Yeah, you can follow me at Alex Kennedy NBA. Check out basketballnews.com. We have a ton of great articles, podcasts, videos. We have a bunch of players that write for us and podcasts for us, like James Posey, Aton Thomas, Rex Chapman, Kenyon Martin. We have great writers like myself, Nikias Duncan, Spencer Davies, uh, Mark Schindler, uh, Matt Issa. We have a great staff over there, and we're still putting out uh, content every single day. So uh, definitely check out basketballnews.com. Absolutely. And uh, if you're looking for draft content, obviously, because this is the Pacers are going to be looking <laughs> for draft prospects, Matt Babcock and his team, Derek Murray, they do a great job over there as well. Uh, yes. Love having them on the show, and they do awesome coverage. So, Alex, thanks so much, and uh, we will have you on again soon. Thanks a lot. Setting the pace, going to the top. Setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast. Sweeping every team. We gon' need a mop. Smooth. Mm-hmm.